1: Good evening and welcome to another episode of Hitting for the Cycle. I'm your host, Hank Indictor, and as always, we got a lot to cover for you this week, including but not limited to the craziness of Tack, a crazy Dodgers-Padres series, and of course me grumbling about the Yankees as usual. But before we get to that, I would like to remind you guys to please give us a follow on all of our forms on social media at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and not to mention, please give us a subscribe to our YouTube channel, at Review and Preview Sports, and of course, I'd also like to mention, we have a few guests backstage, Sam and Danny Cardona, who I believe, if I am not mistaken, might be the very first uh, pair of siblings that we've had simultaneously on any Review and Preview show, at, at least as far as I know, certainly on this one. But anyways, let's get right into the big news. First of all, you had Wander Franco of the Tampa Bay Rays making his Major League debut This guy is among the highest rated prospects in major league baseball. And, you know, there was a lot of hype coming into it. He actually, he had a home run and a double made a big catch in this game. Unfortunately for him, the Rays ended up losing this game. However, this, this debut, actually, there is a fun fact regarding it. He is the first major leaguer to have been born in the new millennium. Crazy, right? It just goes to show you how much older we're all getting and how much time is flying. But, um, in any event, the next big thing we got to talk about here are the Padres and the Dodgers. They had a quick three-game series. Now, the Padres had some really good pitching performances. They had you Darvish and Blake Snell doing well, and even um, even Joe Musgrove had a good game in Game 3. And it wasn't like the Padres necessarily dominated, so to speak, in this series. I mean, they were all pretty close games. The first game, you had Manny Machado hitting a big three-run home run in the first inning on the way to a 6-2 win. Second game also pretty close, five to three. The Padres ended up winning, and Jake Cronenworth actually had a home run in all three games of the series. And we're not talking about garbage home runs here. The, the all of them had a big impact in each of this game, each of these games. And not to mention Manny Machado would also hit a home run in game three of the series, and it pretty much set the tone. The Dodgers in game three obviously would come back and tie it late in the game, but. Padres would get two more, they would have an RBI single, and then Victor Caratini would hit an extra sacrifice fly to ensure them of the win. But not to mention, I think the other big thing that helped was in addition to those home runs they hit in the series, he made the biggest play right at the end. He caught a screaming line drive off the bat of Albert Pujols and then doubled off the runner on second for a double play. It was the first series sweep for the San Diego Padres against the Dodgers since 2013. And of course, it's also the first time that the Padres have won seven of their last eight games against the Dodgers since, I believe, 2007. It's really been a long time since San Diego's had a really good stretch run against the L.A. Dodgers. But, you know, it brings up something really interesting. San Diego and L.A., despite how talented these rosters are, they're not in first place at the moment. The San Francisco Giants have emerged as one of the bigger surprises of the National League. And if they can sustain this play, can you imagine both of these teams playing in a wild card game that's going to get... A lot of hype. I would certainly be tuning in. I've actually tuned into a lot of West Coast games, like besides just the Yankees. And I got to tell you, the Padres are a really fun team to watch, and so are the Dodgers. But of course, I think a lot of people are pretty much sick of seeing the Dodgers doing well. And of course, before we get into my Bronx Bombers, we got to talk a little bit about the Mets here. The Mets have had kind of an up and down week this week. They've been dealt with a bit of injury blows. Well, Jacob deGrom at least has been doing well. He had that scare in his last game against the Chicago Cubs, but you know, even with that, he's not slowing down. And I got to give you another fun fact here. He's made 12 consecutive starts allowing zero or one earned run. That is a record that was previously held by Bob Gibson who who I've probably mentioned many times when comparing him to Jacob deGrom, St. Louis Cardinals legend, and you know, it's it's Again, what more can I really say about Jacob Rung? His ERA at this point, right now, 0.50, 50 cent. Amazing. And of course, the Mets offense, though, has been kind of struggling ever since the Baltimore series, where they tacked on a lot of runs. They've seemed to be relying on the home runs. In fact, up until Wednesday, they averaged about 2.6 runs per game in the previous 14 games and 1.6 in the last eight games. So, I don't know whether that's something like that's a big thing to worry about, but it seems to me the Mets like were in a bit of a slump. However, they broke out with more runs today. They beat the Braves seven to three. Francisco Lindor had three RBIs, and I believe he had a home run too in his last game against the Atlanta Braves. And I gotta say, Francisco Lindor has definitely continued to prove. He also had a five RBI game in what was the only Mets win during their series loss in Washington, D.C., but unfortunately. They had injuries to the pitching staff that really ended up hurting them. Marcus Stroman had to leave a game to just due to a sore hip. I don't know how long he's going to be out for. And if it's anything really serious, it could be especially damaging considering what happened to Joey Lucchese. And there's no really timetable that's return known for a return for Carlos Carrasco and Noah Syndergaard. And let's be honest, they, they could really use those guys because Lucchese now – he got off to a rough start this season. He struggled with a 9.19 ERA in the beginning, but in his last five games, he had a 1.19 ERA. He had a really good game, I I think, in his last start too. But then, unfortunately, they discovered a UCL tear. And unfortunately, that means he's done for the season. But at the end of the day, the Mets are still in first place. There's really not too much to worry about with them besides the injuries. And The silver lining is the Mets are four games ahead of the Atlanta Braves, and I believe they're five games ahead in the loss column. And not to mention, I've talked about this multiple times, too. They're they're pretty much resilient, and splitting a series with the Atlanta Braves really isn't the worst thing in the world because, as I said, plenty of baseball left, and they just have to hope more of their guys come back from the injuries pretty soon. But now, of course, it's time to talk about my – New York Yankees, for better or for worse. It's been kind of an up-and-down week, although they did win four of the six six games that they played. However, with that being said, I'm going to need a little bit of help talking about the Yankees, and it is now time to bring on our guests for the day. One of our guests that I have is somebody that I am very familiar with.
2: Hello. Ona Uh, and I
1: have been collaborating on a lot of giant stuff throughout the offseason on my other show, Big Blue Avenue that you can check out that I do with Tom. It is a lot of fun. And not to mention, we have also both made appearances together on the brew party as well with Andy. You guys might remember appeared on the show a couple weeks ago. We talked about the St. Louis Cardinals. However, next to Sam Cardona is someone very new to review and preview. That's her brother, Danny. Danny, how's it going?
0: Hey, Hank. how you doing?
1: I'm doing pretty good. And uh, Sam, how's it going? Great to see you again.
2: Yeah, it's great to see you, Hank. I love your haircut. Cut the, cut the hair.
1: (laughs) Thanks. It, it was getting way too long. I need it had to be done, and I had to kind of trim <laughs> the beard as well. But you know, it's funny that you should mention that because that, as you know, is a Yankee policy. But uh,
2: very true. Anyways,
1: let's get right into it. The Yankees. I don't know about you guys, but they've even though they've won four of their last six games, I really don't know how I'm feeling because like they swept Toronto up before the homestand that started with Oakland you took two out of three from Oakland and then obviously you had some crazy wins against Kansas City but when you look at some of those wins they I don't know what to say they lucked out like they had a triple play where they bailed out Chapman Chapman looked absolutely wild in that ninth inning pretty much the same as he looked in that second game against Kansas City and you know it they've definitely had some lucky breaks this week but I don't know how how much longer can last and um Danny, let me start with you since you're the newcomer on this show. How how are you feeling about the Yankees right about now? As as of today.
0: Well, as of right now, pretty good. But to describe this season, it's been a roller coaster ride, to put yeah. it nice.
2: Yeah, it, it's it's definitely been just. I think that that's a good way of putting it. Hank is that it's like kind of lucky breaks, um, especially with that that triple play, which is. Basically it's, it's making history. We, we have three triple plays to end off um, games this season. And I think what's four is the, is the record. So this is, this is going to be, it's interesting because a lot of people were very excited for this season and the Yankees did come out, you know, people were feeling really good about them, but you know, it is, there's lucky breaks. It's a roller coaster of emotions. There's so many things going on. Sometimes they look phenomenal. Sometimes they don't look as good. So it's definitely, you know, it depends on the day basically
0: and who they're playing. How often do you hear the broadcaster say the Yanks got lucky or what a lucky break. Right. (laughs)
2: Very true.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And um, you know, before I get into the next thing I want to talk about, I want to give you guys a little bit of fun facts. I believe this is, I think this is only the fourth or fifth time that a team has had two triple plays happen within a whole week of each other. And the first three, one or two of them happened in the 1800s. And one of them was in like 1909. So to put it in perspective, that's pretty rare. Right. The only Other team that, that has pulled this off with multiple triple plays actually did in one game. The Minnesota twins did this on July 17th, 1990 against the Boston Red Sox actually. And um, up until then, the Yankees. That's the only, those are the only teams that have had two triple plays within the span of a whole week. Pretty crazy, and not to mention this was that triple play that happened at the end of the Oakland game was actually the first one to end one since. I'm sure Met fans will probably hate me for bringing this up, but the unassisted triple play that Jeff Francoeur do that hit into that Eric Bruntlett fielded on, I believe it was August of 2009, Mets versus Phillies. It was. Pretty much a lost season for the Mets, With the Phillies, as you probably remember, were on their way to a National League pennant. And we know we know how happy we were after that World Series. A lot of fun. Been too long since that happened. So,
2: right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Basically, to give you guys an idea, that's how long it's been since triple plays of that matter had happened. And I think the 60s is probably the last time a triple play ended a game with a one-run lead. So, yeah, it, a lot of history right there that I'm giving to you. Yeah. So, the first things first that I got to ask you guys about is – I think we got to talk about the, a guy who at the beginning of the season, I said he was the elephant in the room, but now he has yes. gotten a lot better. I think, but I think by my description, you guys know who I'm going to bring up. It's Gary Sanchez In his last nope. eight games, he's hitting around 357, And I think it begs the question, is he someone that you should play no, no matter what at this point, because we all know about Garrett Cole having Higashioka as his personal catcher and, He's not the first Yankee pitcher that's had this. I remember A.J. Burnett, for some reason, didn't really – didn't seem to do well having Jorge Posada as his catcher, and Jose Molina had to catch him during that Mm -hmm. 9 postseason. And I think Randy Johnson also had problems with with Jorge Posada. You guys remember him at all? Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, kind of. Danny remembers more than I do. (laughs) But, yeah. yeah.
1: But in any event, like – I don't know about you guys, but I'm not the biggest fan of the of the person having a personal catcher up like on the roster. Like I'm of the belief that you just let the hot hand go like no matter what. What what about you guys? I'm going to start with you first, Danny.
0: Good. Well, personal catchers, uh it's you feel good about it, if it ain't broke don't fix it, that kind of thing cuz you know, with the whole controversy with the whole spider tag and the spin rates with pitchers and how Cole's strikeouts with each one went from double digits to single digits. Like, because he played yesterday, I want to say. I'm not sure. But he had, like, six strikeouts, and you're kind of like, that's kind of not, like, Cole-like. Cole usually has, like, nine or ten, and he's, like, pretty much going into the eighth with, like, 110 pitches, you know?
2: Yeah. 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 Uh, the thing is like with, with Higgy and, and Garrett Cole, it's like, you know, like Danny said, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But Gary is on kind of a roll right now and he is improved himself over the past season. So it is a lot different, but you know, it's, we're all under the impression that Garrett Cole may or may not have, using some sort of sticky substance. So maybe Kyle Gashioka kind of knows him a little bit better since he has <laughs> been, you know, like maybe he can read the pitches a little bit better, um without the stickiness but I you know it it is it's kind of like okay well if Garrett Cole can have a personal catcher why can't you know somebody else have a personal catcher and and, you know it's it can get a little tricky that way but Gary's kind of improved himself over the season so far he has been doing well and I believe Aaron Boone even said that he was even thinking about having Gary Sanchez come in at some point who knows when some point is but you know it's it's kind of a tough situation because of everything going on with the pitching and everything like that. But you know, it's it's hard to say because you know Kyle gashioka has been catching for Garrett Cole this whole time.
0: Yeah, let's not yeah, forget David true. Cohn too, who also had a, a personal catcher because I remember you bringing that's up right. he had Girardi as his catcher because for some reason he just didn't like to Jorge catching him right. and he didn't really give. Michael talked about it with him and he was just like, Yeah, I just did not feel comfortable with Jorge behind the plate. I always felt comfortable with Joe more.
1: Yeah, no, Andy Pettit used Joe for a bit too in the in the late 90s, actually. And um, yeah, no, I feel like part of it has to do with Jorge being a little bit on the temperamental side. I I don't know if I can I was a big fan of Jorge. He's one of my all-time favorite Yankees. My like,
2: favorite Yankee of all time is Jorge Posada. I hey, always
1: thought of him as like the mirror image of Derek Jeter in the sense that like both were like really good leaders. The only difference was Jeter was sort of the quiet leader that led by example, whereas Jorge was fiery loud and would like get in your face if like you were doing something wrong. But by the way, before I get into any other things, I want to get to the comments a little bit. I see James is getting a little bit behind the peanut gallery here. So (laughs) kindly disregard what he is saying however sam i got a little bit of a surprise for you one of one of your biggest fans but obviously mine too just commented too hi (laughs)
2: jamie hi thanks mom (laughs) so it's been a while since i was able to say that
1: yes no i was hoping you could get that in there at some point during the show (laughs) great fan great friend of the program and easily one of our biggest fans for sure and um so, yeah, no, Gary. Let me give you some stats regarding Gary Sanchez. I'm about to pull up right here. Okay. There's a guy that I follow on Twitter, one of my favorite accounts, actually. He always posts a lot of like good stats, like during Yankee games. His this is his slash line in the last 23 games. He's hitting 342. His on-base percentage is 415. He's got on base per slugging percentage 753. This is the last 23 games with eight home runs and 18 RBIs. So Listen, as much as I've criticized Gary Sanchez a lot in the past, and rightfully so, and it's not just because of his hitting, it's his catching stuff that has driven me nuts too. Uh I got to give him credit where credit is due. It seems like he kind of woke up from his two-year coma, so to speak. Now, (laughs) whether he can sustain this is something that I don't know is going to happen because, again, I know his makeup isn't the best, and we always see a little bit of, like, flashes of brilliance with Gary over the course of a few seasons you know like yeah, he's been a tease exactly so i'm not sure if i should get my hopes too high but you know what i'll i'll take i'll take what i'm getting so far and so again if i'm if i'm going to criticize Gary when he's absolutely at his worst i have to give him credit where credit is due when when he's um doing his best and you know what like i got to say like it's funny how I see people on Twitter saying, "Oh, you can't be talking if you slandered Gary." Like, at the same time, this is why I compared him to Evan Engram, like multiple times. Sam, you've heard this on a uh, big blue avenue. Like, we know that uh, both- yeah, we know that both of them have the talent, but we don't always see it. And we've also seen bad blunders from him them at the wrong time.
2: <laughs> yeah, no. It and the thing what what will be really interesting is that if Gary Sanchez ends up catching Garrett Cole at one point and it goes like really well. Then it's like, okay, what are the then what do you need Higgy for anymore? And he's a great player, easily tradable. So it's gonna be interesting to see if if and when the day comes where uh Garrett Cole ends up throwing to Gary Sanchez, you know, the future of Kyle Higashioka is gonna be up in the air as well. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and maybe they probably call up one of their catchers in the minor leagues just to see what he's got. So,
0: right, I would have got a lot of great catchers coming up in the minors, exactly. And
1: as much as I like Kyle Higashioka, and I feel like me liking him was more for who was a st- because of who was a starting catcher, like, yeah, I, th- I think eventually he's probably going to end up being phased out. But for the time being, I totally understand why they're having him start during Garrett, Garrett Cole starts. I'm just not. I just don't completely agree with it because I, I want to go with the hot hand. But anyways, speaking of the hot hands, we had Luke White returning from the IL. He had a big home run. His first at bat are off the IL too. It's like anytime this guy comes back into the lineup, he always, he breathes new life into it. I don't know what it is. He just, he just has that vibe. Sam, what's your thoughts on him?
2: I really like Luke Voight. I, I call him the nice corn fed boy from, from the West. I just think that he's just phenomenal. And, you know, he's a really big guy too. And he kind of like proves that like he, he is able to play a sport as like a bigger guy. And he lost a lot of weight over the past year. When he, I've been a little concerned about him throughout this season. He has been getting injured. He has been going on um, the injured list a lot, and then coming back and doing well, and then going right back on the list. So I'm, I'm hoping he stays at this point. I'm, I really want him to because I do like him as a player, and I think that he contributes a lot to the New York Yankees. And he se- he seems like a great, just like chemistry wise, like he kind of fits into this team as well. Um, but what, what do you think? What do you like about Luke Hoyt? Well, like you said, with the energy that he brings, but also he's like, and
0: um, this was talked about today. He was having a good game today that um, he's that fiery guy who, you know, especially when they were going through that slump and there was a lot of question marks. He's the guy that was like, you know, behind closed doors in that clubhouse where we don't even know what goes on. You know, he's probably, you know, getting in faith, you know, like, come on, guys, let's go. Rah, rah, kind of. Thing kind mm-hmm. of guy sure yeah no i love luke Voit. he's got I, I love the energy
1: he brings to the table although i'm gonna be honest if it were up to me though i probably would rather have dj playing first and that's nothing against Voit. it's only because of this strategy that i really prefer i would have i would have traded Voit. let dj play first kept dd and then let glaber play second because if i'm being honest glaber should not be a shortstop i'm sorry but like i feel like it's affecting him. At that, And not to mention, it's also like, you know, it's all, and he's not one of the better fielders either. And like, we've seen, I've, I've really not been too satisfied with the way Gleyber Torres is playing. I feel like, do you guys think that him, the switch of
0: positions has really been affecting him at all? I'm going mean, to start with you, you for you, Danny. Well, yes and no. I mean, we've seen in the beginning the errors he's committed with being at short, you know, and you can always sometimes see on his face, like he's not sure where his assignment is, you know, like, should I be over here now? Should I, do I have to be over here? Cause we're now shifting while it's second. He was kind of like, yeah, I know where I am right here. I'm going to be standing right over here and it's going to, I'm going to toss it right over to, you know, the short and mm-hmm. or throw it to first base. Yeah. but uh, It's kind of iffy. And then that's why you see the whole, trevor story thing we should trade him get trevor story but don't forget if you've read the art trevor story has also been in a struggle himself and he was just recently injured so
2: what yeah. now yeah the, the thing is that like it is ho- hard i think on anybody to be changing positions especially so frequently um i know just i'm never mi- played like major league baseball before but when I used to play softball I switched positions all the time and there were the positions I didn't like there were ones I did like so I was better at it and so it's it's harder to unless you're sitting in like one spot it definitely is difficult to switch from different positions and like you said it's affecting him at bat as well and and you know playing different positions have you using different muscles different you know parts of your body so it's um it's definitely not great um it is what it is but you know, I, I like DJ at first as well. I, I love Luke Voigt, but I think DJ Lemayhew is one of the best players on our team, and and he does. He a really also good plays job. third. Let's not forget his time right. at third. When, but he's easy. He can easily do that. He can easily switch positions. Not everybody is apt to do that.
1: Yeah, no, that's why DJ is pretty high on my list of my favorite players. He's very versatile. You can play third. You can put him at first. You can really put him anywhere in the infield, and not to mention he's a really good contact hitter. That's why I wanted them to sign him so badly because you yeah. don't have too yeah. many of those guys in that lineup. It's centered on home run or bus. And I've probably been screaming about this ad nauseum for like the past two to three years. That's not the way I, I want this team to be like centered around, but oh, well, unfortunately Brian Cashman has his own, he has his mind set on analytics and launch angle. And unfortunately I, they just don't seem to be too focused on hitting the home run and, not as concerned about getting the guy home, but I don't know. That's just me. Maybe I sound like I'm the old man yelling at clouds here. But um. anyways, we got another comment right here from another person that I know, Sam, you are familiar with, as am I. It's none other than Tom Scavetta. What's up, tom Tom, how's it going? Thanks for catching in. Folks, if you're watching this, please, if you want to leave a comment down below, we would love to interact with you guys. This is a very fun discussion that Sam, Danny, and I are having, and... Yeah, please. We would love to. We would love to hear your opinions. We'd love to have your input and whatnot because, hey, it, sure. your opinions matter just as much as ours. You, you guys are the ones that make our show. And um, got another comment here. Another Met fan in the <laughs> gallery. Aww. Paul Lombardi says, "Let's go Mets." And uh, Paul, how's it going? <laughs> Thanks for catching in. I hope you're doing well tonight. And um, of course, we got another familiar face in the comments too. Before I get to my next comment, I think you know who it is, Sam.
2: It's andy Stopper. it's andy what's up man <laughs> <laughs> the podcast yeah. triangle is complete
1: yeah no it's awesome the big pretty much the big four the big four sports casting it's awesome and get have two of them right here and i'm i gotta tell you sam this is why i've been looking forward to having you guys it's been it's a lot of fun and um next thing i gotta talk about right now is um going to talk about the outfield right now because it's it's not great i think no other than a second baseman no. <laughs> someone like other than second baseman by the way some of my other second baseman ideas of guys that i would love to have are adam frazier of the
0: pirates he's another guy who's he's like he's very great talks a lot yeah and no. his lefty bat is really good
1: yeah no that that's something the yankees could use like they have they have way too many right-handed bats and Not enough lefties. I mean, you had a lefty shortstop, but you let him go to Philadelphia for pennies on the dollar. So there's that. But um, I think outfield is the biggest problem on this team. I don't know about you guys, because Giancarlo, you know, he can you know, he can hit home runs in bunches. But then you also know the guy can't always stay healthy. And when it comes to a point where you're like, oh, how long can he stay on? It's that's a problem. And then not to mention, I actually think the Aaron Hicks contract was just as much of a mistake as John Carl Stanton, if I'm being honest. Because at least with Stanton, you knew the guy was a proven home run leader and, like, a proven star. Hicks only had, like, what, one or two great seasons? And, like, you signed him to a seven-year contract based off of that one good year he had – or really good year he had. I want to say it was 2018. Like, it just never made sense to me. And the problem with that – with signing him to that is – He's not a guy that you can rely on for hits. Like career-wise, no. his average is right around 245, 250. We know he's a good fielder, but by signing that contract, it means that you're banking on him to be like to age very well. And right, I just the problem is they're gonna be stuck with him. And what makes it worse is he's now pretty much after the season, too. So yeah, which which is the I'm gonna ask this to you, Danny.
0: Which outfielder do you want the most for this trade and deadline? Well, He's been in trade talks a lot. It's Marte. Kittle, I want to say his name is, or Kettle. Not Kettle. really Kettle Marte. Yep. Uh, he's like the hottest guy right now for trade talks. We're not the only guys interested in him. We also have like right. Boston's interested. I think, um, not sure, but it's two of us really want him. And Arizona does, doesn't really want to part with him because, you know, he's 27. He's, you know – Controllable for two years too, if they make a trade, and not not to mention he's a lefty too, and he's very very useful out there. You can play left, center, or right. So also, um, Sterling mart from the Marlins too. Sterling Marte, yeah, mm-hmm. Marte Marte. Why not? Why not? <laughs> I mean, we made a trade. We're we're familiar with a guy named Derek Jeter over there. It's like, hey, anyone else
2: you got you want to make a trade with? <laughs> yeah, let's hook up with Derek. I mean, we got the we got the repertoire here. Like, why doesn't he send some some Marlins over? Why not? I don't know,
1: guys. I'm a little bit concerned that as much as I love Jeter, I'm actually wearing my Jeter shirt right now as we speak. He's got his Jeter shirt. I'm, right. uh, way one. I'm a little concerned that maybe. Aaron, Bo- or sorry, Derek Jeter might be like turning into a bit of a snake oil salesman on us. I mean, after all, this guy took one or two of our prospects
0: and gave us John Collar Stanton and that albatross. So
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: can we really we can trust? it him? all the time? Boy, did we get fleeced by the captain?
1: Yeah, <laughs> and, um, we got a few more comments. Uh, we got Tom is another one joining in the Mets corner. She's
2: killing us guys
1: guys (laughs) no it's all good we still love y'all and uh Andy Hopper has a good question actually he says if the Yankees let Boone go at the end of the year who are your ideal managerial candidates well I'm going to start off by saying I would more than love to have Joe Girardi back say what you want about how he managed the bullpen and his binder but Joe had the passion and Joe always seemed to get the most of the Yankees I don't care what I don't care what you want to say about his job in Philadelphia. I love Joe and I really, I still think it was a mistake to let him go, but that ship has sailed. I'm really maybe Hensley Mullins. That's a guy whose name was really talked about as far as being a good managerial candidate. I know he, he was part of the giants three world series championships in the early 2010s. And fun fact, you might, I don't know if you guys know this. He was on the Yankees in the early 1990s. He was actually one of those prospects that didn't really, didn't really quite pan out, but, a definitely a, an obscure Yankee name, nonetheless. Who could very well be a decent manager. I mean, he's had the experience, and he knows he knows a lot of language too, which actually is more of which is actually more valuable than people realize. But I think he would be a good one. Maybe Carlos Beltran too. Like he, I know he's been caught up in the Astro scandal, but he's got some Yankee connections. I wouldn't, True. I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to having him as a manager. Danny, yeah. you, I'm going to let you start this off.
0: Well, yeah. Especially when we had these struggles, and then you know the media was getting on it, like you know they even asked Cashman, hey, you know what's the future like for Boone right now?" And he said, "It's our he's our manager, yeah, for better or worse right now." So that just goes to show you, like, here is what I learned: you fire a manager mid season, you pretty much gave up on the season. Yeah, that's pretty. There is no other way because it's like, oh. Um, you know, we're firing you. It's like, who's available? It's, it's almost July. Mm-hmm. We got like, what, 90, 89 games to go? And then um, here's a, you know, what everyone was already asking for Buck Walter to come back. I'm um, not really a big fan of, of that idea, to be Exactly. Honest. But, you know, Yankee fans are, all, especially on social media, they want to fire everybody, bring back everybody else. <laughs> and, you know, we want the best. And it's like yeah. one minute we're doing great. I loved him. I never hated him. Then yeah. the next thing you know, fire him.
2: Yeah. I think I think a name that's kind of been thrown around, I don't know how serious it is, but some we were mentioning before, Jorge Posada has kind of been like his name's been thrown around a little bit about a managerial position. Um, as someone who loves Jorge <laughs> yep. Posada, I would feel like that would be really awesome just because I think that he would be great. Um, but I don't know how serious that is. I don't know if they're actually thinking about that, or if the Yankees are even going to bother um, looking at that. Because I know that he was talking to Derek about possibly being involved with the Marlins and that kind of thing. He's kind of like in that advisory role. Yeah, he didn't really take
0: a job
1: there. I see, Andy's giving you giving you a hard time. <laughs>
2: I do. I love Jorge. He's like my first uh, like baseball jersey ever. Um, I was talking about this on my podcast yesterday with Andy is like I didn't wear baseball gloves when I played softball because I thought that, you know, Jorge was so cool because he didn't wear it. Meanwhile, I didn't know that he was dunking his hands in the tar, basically. Um, But yeah, I think that Jorge would be great (laughs) to have as a manager, like in a managerial position. But again, I don't know how serious that is. Yeah, no. Jorge wasn't the only guy to do that. If I'm
1: correctly, Moisaloo didn't wear gloves when he was batting. He did the same thing. Yeah. uh, We got more from the Peanut Gallery.
2: And Piazza. Piazza
1: No comment. No comment. And no comment. However, somebody who (laughs) somebody who does support your opinion on this, my mom, Jamie. (laughs) Yay! I see more from the Peanut Gallery. Andy says Sam would have been banned.
2: Oh, relax, buddy. I would not have been suspended. I would have, you know, made it discreet, you know, just a little bit, just a little, you know, not like how he had his whole helmet was basically brown from it because he couldn't, you know, like he had so much pine tar. It was insane.
1: Yeah, no, it, Jorge is great. Here's the problem I have with the idea of making him a manager. You, I don't know if you necessarily want to commit to the idea of having a legend as the manager because – Jorge is popular among other players. Example I really like to use of Yankee legends who people really want. Don Mattingly is the name I get heard the most. And like every Yankee fan I know of, or at least the older ones who are like, say, maybe mid, mid thirties to like fifties. They love Don Mattingly. Like he embodied everything about the Yankees. And obviously that's, that's true. He played hard. He played through a lot of pain. And there was a stretch where he was probably the best player in baseball from the mid to late eighties too. But the idea of having him as a manager of the Yankees, I don't know. I'm not the biggest fan of him with what he does with the Marlins and the Dodgers. I thought the Dodgers probably could have done better with him. The Marlins, I'll, I'll give him, I'll give him the Marlins. He had a good season with them in 2020, even if it was 2020 in a shortened season. But the problem with with being in bed with the Yankee manager, so to speak, is that you're. It's a popular popularity contest. You're going to lose because then fans are going to want our are going to defend them and they're going to be in a position to be fired eventually and once they get fired they're like the fans view of them changes you know yeah
2: yeah you're right it's an
1: unwinnable war basically and especially guys like them who are popular that's that's really tough to see i really don't know if i want that buck show walter if i'm being honest is a guy i kind of think is somewhat overrated in the sense that while he did lead the yankees to a bit of a turnaround I'm going to be honest. I don't think they win as many championships with him instead of Joe Torre because Joe Torre had a way of managing personalities like nobody else. And Buck Showalter, if you look at his track record, he got fired prematurely from the Diamondbacks too. And then if you look at the Orioles, he gets shamed for leaving Zach for not using Zach Britton in that wild card game. And rightfully so, because why on earth would you use Ubaldo Jimenez in that situation? But in any event, I'm just not as big a fan of Buck Showalter. He'll, He'll get teams good for like a brief amount of time, but like then there comes a certain point where they either, either he's gone too soon or they decline. So I don't know whether that's necessarily a buck problem, but I'm just not that big a fan of Buck Showalter, if I'm being quite honest with you guys. And not to mention, he's like, I hate to bring up age, but he's in his mid 60s at this point. I don't even know if he really wants to manage again. And not to mention, yeah, the game has really changed ever, since he last managed. So, I'm not against that. I, I'm not really for that idea. But with that being said, I'm also not the biggest fan of Aaron Boone. And now, to be fair, I don't necessarily fault him entirely for what's going on. I mean, look, he made some questionable decisions this week. First of yeah. all, why would you remove Lute White when put in Tyler Wade late in the game? Was that really necessary? And I could get into Tyler Wade's fielding, so to speak, with not throwing the guy out at home and whether he should have d- him double play. But the bottom line was... Luke Voit should have been the game. I really know why Wade was in there in the first place, and not to mention there's also there was also the him walking Santana with four pitches. Now that one I'm yeah, not gonna-
0: that that got the most attention.
1: That one, despite a lot of other moves he's made, I'm not going to shame him for because Santana was a tough hitter. You had a rookie who had never gotten a major league hit on deck. I'd rather face that guy than than the than the known slugger who can do damage so to speak because let's face it like yeah it you don't know what he's going to do in in bottom of the ninth and pressure situation or sorry top of the ninth rather because it was at Yankee Stadium but you, you get the point
2: yeah, no. I think the thing is that with with the with the whole walking thing, um, mm-hmm. I think that it would have been a much bigger story if the Yankees ended up losing that game. Like it would have been yeah. like, oh, that that was the reason why they lost because they did walk that run in. But I mean, I understand where his mindset was coming from though. Like like you were saying, you know, if we're gonna face anybody, we'd rather face the guy who's less experienced than the guy who's more experienced. So it makes sense. Um, it kind of just questions. I mean. You know Chappie got kind of upset about it. Um, and he made yeah, no. himself very vocal. And and you don't want to strain that relationship with your pitcher, especially you know, a closing pitcher. Your main so, closer guy. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, you don't trust your closing pitcher to strike this guy out, or you don't trust him enough to have him pitch to this guy in the last inning. So it, it, I can understand again where his mindset was, but also you should be able to tell your pitcher these is the things that you need to do in order to strike this guy out so that you don't need to walk him, especially in the ninth inning. So it's definitely a little bit questionable. I don't really, you know, I wouldn't have done it, but I understand why he did in the first place.
1: Yeah, and not to mention Chapman's pitch in Game 7 of World Series. I don't think yes. really it should be that big of a deal to load the bases, even if it's just loading the bases. The guy you're facing right. next... Is in your experience. Him now him walking, that's on Chapman. I'm sorry. As much as like I want right, him, yeah. And by the way, I don't know about you guys, but Chapman gives me Chapman gives me anxiety every time yeah. he this because like he yeah. either he really has, or he doesn't. It's not like this guy who in the back of my uh in my background who, whenever he would go into a game, like you knew yeah, you yeah, knew that every 10 times he was gonna get the save. Chapman
0: yeah. and it Chapman was rare to get well. that hit off him,
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And uh we got a few more comments. David Guyette says, good evening. Tom says he agrees with Paul on the Piazza part. Again, no comment. I'm not necessarily going to disagree, but I have my reasons for liking Brian Posada. Let's just put it that way. And so, yeah, no, it's been an interesting week. I'm glad the Yankees took two out of three from the series anyways, because let's face it, the Yankees needed that win yesterday too, because, you know, you had, a, you had the lead in the, ga- the day before that. Talk and about then- dramatic. Yeah you gave up all those runs you almost came back but then fell a bit short and then you had the big comeback with Gary being clutch and then Stanton had a really good at bat too again I know I've criticized Stanton a lot in the past but that was a really patient at bat and he put the ball in play and got a single I want to see more of that from Stanton and then yeah. at last but not least you had Luke White getting that big hit and um yeah there's been a lot of interesting things with the Yankees and um before I end the show, I think, you know, there's one more thing we got to talk about, too, besides the Yankees. And that is the spider Tax shenanigans.
2: Situation. How
0: could we not talk about it? Yeah. And I guess it's kind of the segue to
1: Garrett Cole. Like, do you, like, are you worried, are you guys worried about Garrett Cole from, from here on in with this whole spider tack and the cracking down?
0: Well, again, I'm, I'm not entirely sure.
2: But is there something? Is there something he's hiding? Is he doing it? I don't think he's doing it anymore. I think he was doing it prior, and then they basically have cut down on it because of that. But you made the stat before that his his numbers have been going down, and like had it, it's all the idea of like we well, don't. This we don't all know. started with that series against
0: Minnesota. What is it called? Josh Donaldson was his name. He was like. Saying, "Oh yeah, Garrett Cole. He was get. He was like texting this guy's like, you know, hey, hook me up with this stuff. Like <laughs> a drug deal. <laughs> hook me up with this stuff. I'm, I'm gonna be at the ballpark at around this time here. I'm pitching yeah. today.
2: I, I am a little bit concerned about Garrett Cole because I'm I'm pretty convinced that he was using some sort of sticky substance to throw his pitches. Um, because a lot of the things that he was doing was basically inhumane. Like it was." He's an am- and he's still an amazing pitcher. But it, it is a little concerning. However, I mean, I feel like he should know, as a professional baseball player, how to throw a baseball without using any sort of sticky substance. Like, that's on him. So if he's become too reliant on it, like, that's that's all him. But I, I am. I'm a little nervous because it is. It's a big change because you you grip the ball different. You can't throw certain pitches. You can't throw it as fast. It's, yeah. it's very we'll see different. see how
0: he does come Sunday. Yeah. So... Only way to one way to find out. Yeah, no, I'm not too worried. I know he's I know his stuff has
1: declined a little bit, but at the end of the day, he's a good pitcher, he's a smart pitcher. I don't until I see something that really will shock me, I'm not losing faith in Garrett Cole. My only issue was his answer of that press conference. But at the end of the day, yeah. he wasn't necessarily in a wittable situation either. Because either either you were gonna have him saying something in the lines of oh, I didn't do it, and then people will still get on his case. Or you'll have him like saying something and then people will roast him. And then at the end of the day, he had that wishy-washy answer, which as I said, when I was on the brew party a few days ago, I it's basically the same thing as me when I'm in middle school and my teacher wants my homework and I don't have it. I give her a little small little answer before at the end of the day, I, I, I think that was pretty much Garrick Cole. He just, he didn't really give a straight answer and you know, it, it didn't really look good. That's all I'm going to really say about it. As much as I like him, I I just didn't like what he said in that that day, but however with that being said, I also agree with him that I think Rob Manfred has taken this stuff way too far.
0: He's been that, very quiet. He hasn't even spoken since t- February last
2: year. Yeah, this 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 whole thing with the spider tack and whatever other sticky substances that they may, may might be using. The the fact that it's literally every two seconds we're seeing an umpire come into the game to check their hat, belt, and club, like I understand checking it every once in a while, but it is excessive. Joe Girardi was one of these people and he was basically abusing the power that he had to disrupt the game to say like. So well, I, I think, think you just have your
1: false question right here.
2: Yes, he has. Indeed, he has lost his mind. Like, I, but also, I think that he's utilizing his mind because he knows that it's going to stop the flow of the game and, and make the pitcher upset and make him maybe a little wild with his pitches. So it's Let's not forget that guy in Oakland who put on a show. <laughs> hold his pants down like it's it, but like there, i feel like that is a, like an honest reaction i feel like that is a normal thing to do that it's like oh i literally have to take off all of my things so that you can check why don't you check me here? <laughs> we right some, here right now it's 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 honestly it's so it's so ridiculous i understand checking i understand checking every once in a while but the excessiveness of it is out of control
1: yeah, yeah. no Like they're basically banning a lot of substance that have been substances that have been common throughout the MLB. Pretty much that have been used as long as the game itself. Right. Like sunscreen. You're really going to get rid of sunscreen? You
2: can't. It's like, that's a health concern. You have to let them wear sunscreen. Otherwise they're all going to get, you know, and skin cancer. Like they can't remove sunscreen. That's not okay. That's not, that should not be allowed. I was talking about this with Andy yesterday. Like literally there's such a health concern because of that. I mean other things. They're going to watch. They're going to fight that and
0: argue their case about that.
2: Sunscreen it's specifically the Players
0: Union is going to argue this.
2: You can't get rid of sunscreen because no. they need to wear it.
0: I need to if wear it. what if I burn easily? What if I have fair skin? It's like wait a minute now. It stresses me out. Yeah. I was going to say if any
1: pitcher gets gets like a form of skin cancer, they could probably file a lawsuit to rob they, Man- they-
2: Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. They will sue the hell out of the MLB, and they'll win. They'll win. Yeah.
1: this is uh, you, know you know what cracked is... me up too. Yeah, are you guys ready for what Rob Manfred said? I think it was either last night or the day before.
0: Please, what does he have to say? A... <laughs>
1: he said, he said, so far it's it's all going really well. What? That's <laughs> it. Are you guys Have you been watching the same amount of games that I have? Like, uh, are you blind, sir? Go up. And like examine pitchers as if like they're guilty before innocent. Like, look, I did a whole rant on brew party yesterday that like that Rob Manford is the worst. Awesome. If you wanna if you want to see my whole rant, check it out. It's a little colorful and my language may or may not be a little bit too spicy. <laughs> so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read every single word that I said on that. But basically, this is just an example of why Rob Manford is the absolute worst. Like he takes a situation makes makes everything worse makes it out to be worse than it actually is and then he goes a little too far whether it be overthinking or whether it be just him making stuff up as he goes along he's turned something way out of control and it is driving me absolutely
2: bonkers
0: yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> that that's ridiculous that he thinks that it's going well like is this what you wanted Rob is this what you just absolute chaos and like mayhem everywhere people pulling their pants down this is what this is what he wanted it's it's out of control it's so crazy remember this is the same
1: guy that said remember this is the same guy that said that the world series the commissioner's trophy was basically a piece of tin after the the asterisk down came out so are we really seriously going to trust this guy i don't think so bring back bud
0: Bring back Bud uh, C,
1: like. <laughs> I'm not sure if you really want that either, because another thing I covered, I talked about when I was with Andy, Bud Sealing was just as bad, was just as bad as Robin Bamford. Like, look at the steroid scandal. Like this guy, right. like he just enjoyed it. He was making all the money in the world when McGuire and Sosa were doing well and even bonds. And then it took the federal go- government to go up and tell him, Hey, something's wrong. These guys are using illegal stuff. You guys can't be doing that. And so in the end, because of because of somebody else pressuring him, he casts these guys as a villain. And regardless of how you feel about the whole steroid scandal, like, Bud basically is like Nabford in the sense that he's really, he's making stuff up as he's going along. And he's just like, you know, doing stuff for money and whatnot. And for his own like personal agenda, it's that, but neither of them were great commissioners. That's my honest opinion. So if anybody if anybody, I'd say bring back Faye Vincent, but I'm not going to get the, into the whole details to why he was ousted because I can trust me, I can go on forever with baseball history. But in let's any event, back,
0: let's bring in Silverman from the NBA. Let's, yeah, he's he he a good job. I like him.
2: Yeah, he but does before, a really good job.
1: Before we wrap up, I'd like to get right back into the Yankees briefly just for a little bit. We got a big series this weekend against the Red Sox at Fenway. Last time we played them, we know what happened. We're not going to get into full detail. It was
0: bad, but so bad. coming into this series, what are your guys' thoughts? We're healthy, and we're on a hot streak right now. Let's uh, bring it over there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The, the, honestly, it's basically just do everything that you didn't do the last time. Like, it was such, such a hard thing to watch in the last series. It was just not... On our own
0: home turf. Yeah,
2: it hurt more that it was in the Bronx, and it was just really just painful to see... But yeah, basically we just got to step it up. We just got to make sure but th- I think that that's great though. She's got to be good. We're on a hot streak right yeah. now, which is really great and it's and it's promising because when we get on a like a streak, we tend to keep it for quite some time. And you know, the fact that the last series did happen a bit of, it's a bit of a revenge series here, you know. They don't want to lose again because then we're going to have to hear it forever from Bostonians it's it's just gonna suck so I I hope that things go well this time but again do everything what you didn't do in the last series
1: so before I give my thoughts I'm gonna bring a few comments from David Guyette who I believe watched us like maybe our second or third episode but it's great to see you back David I hope all is well he says good evening and he says the Yankees now need to sweep the Red Sox listen I would love for that to happen I don't know if that's a realistic prediction but I hope you're right, man. And um, But we could win the series. So let me give you the pitching matchups for these three games before I make my predictions. So we got Domingo Herman pitching on Friday against Martin Perez. Saturday, I believe you have Nathan Ubaldi against Jordan Montgomery. This is a game I'm obviously worried about, and I'm going to mark as a loss right away because I don't trust the Yankees whenever they go up against Nathan Ubaldi. You know what happens whenever he pitches against us. You saw how we let him go. There's a reason why he's extra motivated every time he pitches against the Yankees. And if I'm going to yeah. be completely honest with you, I actually thought he was a decent pitcher, and I thought we could have used him in the past few years. But that ship has sailed. Game three of the series, you've got Garrett Cole against Eduardo Rodriguez. Now that's the game the Yankees have absolutely no excuses to lose. Eduardo Rodriguez has had a mostly down year for the Red Sox. He did a better start in his in his first game against the Yankees the last series, but for the most part, I think Alec Walt, who I had a few days a few weeks ago. He's a big Sox fan. He he can tell you that Eduardo Rodriguez is probably the one guy in his rotation that he cannot trust. That's a guy who you both should definitely check out. I know he's a Sox fan, but he does a show called Down the Block Sports. Give him a subscribe on YouTube, by the way. And um, so my prediction, I think the Yankees are going to take two out of three. I think the pitching matchups in the series, I think, are more in their favor. You got Domingo Herman pitching the Friday. And remember, he was the one that started on the crushing blow on Sunday where they probably should have won in that last series. And so... I think they win his start and as I said, Garrett Cole against Eduardo Rodriguez on paper that should be an easy win but then again as John Sterling often says, well Susan, you can't predict baseball. So
2: Very true, very true. But yeah, I think that that's valid. I think that's a valid prediction 2 to 1 with with uh fire under us, healthy and everything like that. I think it's definitely Not to
0: mention Voight and Sanchez are doing good, especially Sanchez. Yeah.
2: So with that coming in, you know, obviously if Cole's pitching, though, we'll have Higgy in on that last on that last game. But I think I think we're I know that we already talked about Sanchez and everything, but I still think that Higgy is a great baseball player. I think that you know, as someone that you can swap out like that, I think that he's still very very good. He hits well, he catches Cole well, and um, I think that it's going to be a good series. Hope for the best. Yeah, back.
1: definitely. Higgy's a very serviceable catcher. I don't think he's a bad ball player by any stretch. In fact, I don't think anybody who reaches the major league ball level is a bad ball player necessarily. But True. in any event, I think it's going to be a great series. I'm really looking forward to it. And yeah, um, before before I sign off, is there anything you guys have to say, Sam? Please do me a favor and plug yourself.
2: Yeah, so um, I have a podcast, Girl Who Talks Sports. Um, new episodes come out every Wednesday on all podcasting platforms and on YouTube, so make sure to subscribe wherever it is that you get your podcasts from and uh, at the Girl Who Talks Sports on YouTube. I just put out an episode this week with The Brew Parties, Andy Hopper. It's a you Know Hank was on his show, he was on my show. Now I'm on Hank's show. It's a it's a very <laughs> lovely triangle we got going on here. Uh so make sure that you guys check out the new episode. Um, we talked also about the spider tax situation, everything like that. So it was really, really fun. And uh yeah, and I'm also on social media at the girl who talks sports on Instagram and at TGWTS Podcast on Twitter. Thank you so
1: much, and I'll be looking forward to catching more episodes. Glad to see you back from your vacation and um I'm sure there's going to be a lot of fun stuff coming up soon. And I, I don't know yep. about you, but as much as I'm enjoying the baseball season, I can't wait to talk football with you down the line. Thanks again for coming on the show and bringing your brother, Danny, who of course you Thanks for having me, Danny, you, Sam was right. You are hardcore and uh, I'm, gl- I'm glad she brought you here. Thank you. <laughs> and, um, and with that having been said, I think it is now my turn to plug at the end folks. Let me give you a friendly neighborhood reminder. We are on all forms of social media at Review and Preview Sports. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. In addition, please do not forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. You guys have watched another episode of Hidden for the Cycle. Until next Thursday, I'm your host, Hank and Dichter, and I will see you next week.